Welcome back. This week on the podcast, I talk with Austin Idol. Austin is a legend in the pro wrestling game. He started in the early 70s and he's still very involved with it today. He is also a plane crash survivor in 1975. He was in a plane crash where one guy did pass away. There was four passengers and he went on to sustain multiple injuries and he went on to have an incredible wrestling and professional career. Through that, he has started a new inspirational series called Triumph Over Tragedy, where he is spreading the message of overcoming adversity and positivity and strength through the experience from the plane crash and talking with these individuals today with two other guys that have overcome adversity. They have started Triumph Over Tragedy, and I truly believe this work uh, might be the most impactful work of his career so far. Another exciting thing about today's episode, I get to talk about a new partnership of the show. I have partnered with Spinks Corporation here out of Greenville, South Carolina. Spinks comes from humble beginnings from Stuart Spinks 50, over 50 years ago. And everybody might see Spinks, their convenience stores, their car washes, and know they're great car washers, they're great convenience stores, they're great gas stations. But what I love about Spinks and the synergy with Spinks and this podcast is the stuff they do for their communities and the message they try to spread. So for for the next year, you will hear me talk about what all Spinks does on both sides, um, the, the car washes and the communities they serve and all the things in between. So it's very exciting to announce that I've partnered with Spinks and um, they're an incredible partner for me and the communities they work in. So I'm excited to announce that, and they'll be on for the next year so we can talk about them a lot. Another great partner of mine is Rebel Rabbit Seltzers. Rebel Rabbit, local brand here in Greenville, South Carolina, and their message is one that I love. If you are struggling with alcohol or if you are looking for an alternative to alcohol, Rebel Rabbit Seltzers might be for you. They are infused with Delta 9 cannabis, so all the negative things that come along with drinking alcohol, with going out, with getting hungover, with getting headaches, with not being able to be productive in the days following, that does not come with Rebel Rabbit Seltzers. So they are racking up the retailers all over the country. But if you use promo code LIFE20, you'll get 20% off your order. Their link is in the show notes. Their website is drinkrebelrabbit.com. Use promo code LIFE20. You'll get 20% off your order. They have two different levels of their drinks. So no matter where you are um, in your journey, they have something for you. They've done an amazing rebrand recently. So again, their link is in the show notes. All the links are in the show notes. If you want to reach out to Austin Idol, it would be great to have him speak at your conference or speak to your work team or speak to your sports team, local sports team. So reach out to them. And without further ado, Here's my conversation with Austin Idol. Austin Idol, good morning. What's up? First off, how you doing? Oh, great. I'm doing great. Doing fantastic, Sam. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming over to uh, my beautiful house. You got to meet my wife this morning. Yep. Kick her off on one of her first days of her new job. Exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. You mentioned uh, you grew up in Tampa. You told my wife you you did some real estate down there at one point, but you grew up in Tampa, right? Whatever growing up means, I'm not quite sure how you define it. You went that. to high school in Tampa? Yes. Now we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get there. Yeah. High school in Tampa, Robinson High School. Yeah. 
What was um what was life like for Austin Idol as a kid? Kid, going how far back into kid? Let's kid, go kid from dumb. your earliest memories. Like what I were was, you doing? I was hatched. Okay. I wasn't born, but I was hatched. <laughs> but you don't remember that. Well, the chicken or the egg <laughs> or, or, or idol, right? But uh, you know, I mean, I was I got into sports when I was early on. You know, probably she's six, seven years old. Baseball. It wasn't even baseball. It wasn't even wasn't even t-ball back then. You know, just. But anyway, that so th- thankfully I got into sports. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, so the sports thing really that's just was my life. Yeah. I, lo- I think sports is a huge thing for kids to get into for like development wise. Yeah. Was it, when did you start wrestling or when did you start like, did you wrestle in high school? You know, did you, what sports I, no, did you play I in high school? I, no, I didn't wrestle in high school. I did not wrestle in high school. When did I start? Uh, I started whatever you want to call training. It wasn't training. You probably have seen some of that. Stuff yep. that I talked about. Sure. Yeah, maybe with Billy Corgan on the. Yep. Yeah, it wasn't training. It was just being slaughtered <laughs> for three days a week by some really amazing athletes. I mean, so, you know, that was, I guess, being broken in, mm-hmm. but almost broken, but I didn't break. How old were you at this? Age. Well, it was 1972, so you're the mathematician because you have the college education. So 1972, and I was born in 1948. And so sorry, Sam. 24? I'm going to say about 24. <laughs> All right. Good job. Good job. But from what I... So did you meet... <laughs> it was Mike and Eddie Graham, right? And Eddie was the president of NWA at the time? No. Eddie, back then, back then in that day... that. They were called territories okay. all across the country, and they're all split up into different territories owned by different people, all under, meh, most of them under the umbrella of the National Wrestling Alliance, MWA. So, yeah, Eddie was, he owned the Florida Championship Wrestling, Florida Territory. Got it. Mike was his son. And, did, and they got you into training, as we might well, call it? Well, not really. No, 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 no. I weaseled my way in. <laughs> Tell me the story. Well, Mike and I met up, and I knew Mike. For him, Eddie Graham was an icon. You know, so everybody mm-hmm. knew who Eddie, Eddie Graham was. And Mike, of course, I mean, they knew everybody knew about Mike, Eddie's son. And uh, I, I was evicted from the gym that we worked, me and a couple of buddies worked out in, in Tampa. Hector's gym. Because we were in the we were power lifters, mm-hmm. and he didn't have a lot of equipment. But like when we got on the bench, I mean, we were all benching you know, five hundred, close to five hundred back in the day. No, no, no juice, mm-hmm. no juice, all clean, clean stuff. And uh, he asked us to leave very nicely because you know you're hogging up the equipment, and no one else can use it. So we left. I bumped into <laughs> Mike uh, probably a week later at a club in Tampa, the Islands Club on. Uh, Golly, not Harbor Island, but I just had a little brain. Anyway, it'll come back to me. So anyway, I bumped into Mike. We're talking a little bit. And uh, where are you working out? He said to me, I said, well, I'm not. No, I just got, he said, well, come work out at my place. Dad converted a double car garage and uh, just trained with me. And that's how it kind of started. And then I lobbied for the longest time. Well, wasn't there a phone call you heard that kind of like sparked your interest? Yeah. Mike and I are training there. And I'm working a construction job, too, at the time. I mean, it's hot. It's Tampa. Yeah. It's summer. It's outside. It's on the other end of a shovel. Sure. It's not fun. And um, we're training one day, and Mike said, you want to go in and get some water? And we, I'd never been in the house before. And I said, yeah. 
So we go in, and Eddie is kind of sitting in a lazy boy. He's on the phone. As we walk behind Eddie, going into the kitchen to get water, I heard Eddie say, so you'll pay him $1,000 a week and all his expenses and his taxes. So I heard that. So I said, what? The thousand bucks a week? That's a lot of money. Even it now. It ain't bad now, Yeah, Sam. It ain't bad now. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, we got back into the gym. And I asked Mike, I said, Mike, who was your dad talking to? He said, oh, he's talking to the promoter in, in Australia, Jim Barnett. And uh, Mr. Barnett wants dad to send him a wrestler. And I said, yeah, well, what was that $1,000 a week? He says, yeah, Mr. Barnett paid the wrestler, whoever it is, 1000 bucks a week, all his expenses and his taxes. I said, wow, man, that's that's great. And then that... Yeah. Did you start weaseling your way in then? Well, I, yeah, every once in a while. Not too often. Not too often because I couldn't be overbearing and pushy like I am now. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I would say, but boy, Mike, man, oh, man, this construction thing. God, I wish there was a way to. And finally, they, I mean, he talk, obviously talked to his father. He said, mm-hmm. okay, you're, we're going to let you work out. Yeah. It wasn't fun. There's a, you're, I mean, you've kind of a legend in the wrestling game. Yeah, right, Sam. You have a long career you're still doing it yep so it's hard to kind of go through your entire career but one of the the biggest moment i think and one thing that i definitely want to touch on a lot today with your triumph over strategy these things that you are working on now with some other guys but you have a career you're building the career up to 1975 talk to me through the trajectory of your career leading up to what we're going to talk about a lot is the plane crash yeah, so anyway, uh, finally going through all this misery and torture, they finally decided, okay, this kid, he's not going to quit. He's just too <laughs> stupid. So let's just go ahead and give him an opportunity. And they started started letting me referee, you know, letting me referee. So I refereed for a while. And then they said, okay, let's, let's let him wrestle a little bit. See, you know, and they would put me out in the middle of nowhere, you mm-hmm. know, where there's nowhere, no way anybody from the Tampa area would even know that I'm in the wrestling business. Because they didn't want that. They didn't want. I was the first. I was the first kid to break into the wrestling business in Tampa, Florida, and then they all followed Hogan and you know Paul Orndorff and tons of them. You know? Yeah. But I was the first one. Yeah. So I took it for the team because they beat the dog out of me. <laughs> but I didn't give up. I didn't. Quit. And you didn't have any wrestling experience before this. No, but I, I learned a lot. Wrestling's I, tough. I learned more f- from that experience than I would have ever in amateur wrestling program mm-hmm. in school because I'm wrestling guys like Jack Briscoe who was twice yeah. NAA champion I think at Oklahoma this guy's the real deal yeah Jack's a legend too yeah uh, uh, Bob Roop was all army uh, Greco-Roman champion was on his way to the Olympics so you know upper body throws crazy I mean just these guys were uh, Hiro Matsuda big Japanese star I mean so I was re- fighting for my life against all these guys so I'm starting to learn were they teaching you, or were they kind of just like throwing you in the fire? They weren't teaching me anything. <laughs> so you were learning. They're teaching me how to fight for survival. Yeah. I mean, that, honestly, Sam, teaching me how to fight for survival. Yeah, fight for survival. And I had, I mean, I had to be. In the beginning, you know, really, I was very defensive, defensive, you know, but which, you know, I mean, I would put up a fight, but I mean, these guys were incredible. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, I can't tell you how many belly to belly suplexes I took and how many. They put me and twisted me and turned me and, I mean, just brutal. I mean, just totally brutal. But they didn't kill me, so I kept going. And then finally I said to myself, when I said, you know what, 
you're getting pretty good on defense. I mean, these guys can still take you down, all that. So, but you know what? Why don't you try to be a little aggressive with them? <laughs> Maybe you'll get lucky, get a takedown, get a single leg dive on. So, and so that's when things changed a little bit. Nice. You flipped the script a little bit. A little bit, but I mean, I still really couldn't do much. But at least they knew that, well, this kid's bucking up a little bit now, right? Rebel Rabbit is on a mission to provide a healthier and smarter way to socialize and drink. Their alcohol-free, cannabis-infused seltzers are perfect for anybody just trying to kick back and relax after a hard day at work or on the golf course with your friends or hanging out at a party and you want to wake up and feel better the next day. Their seltzers are perfect for you. They are a great alternative to alcohol as well. Their website is drinkrebelrabbit.com. Use promo code LIFE20. You'll get 20% off your order. That link is in the show notes. But join the mission and start drinking and socializing smarter with Rebel Rabbit Seltzers. They sent me to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and Eddie Graham said, hey, we're going to send you to Nashville, Tennessee. You're going to be on a $300 a week guarantee. I'm thinking, wow. Yeah. I'm getting ready to hit it big. You know, 300 bucks a week, 1972? Yeah, early 70s. Yeah, okay, 72? Yeah, so uh, 300 bucks a week guarantee. I take my little old shot rambler and that. And, ugh, horrible, you know. Had to have a cement blocks to hold up the crazy, you know. But anyway, I get there. I get I wrestle six days the first week, Sam. I get my paycheck. It's like 160 bucks. That's not 300. You know, I didn't go to Harvard, but I know that's not 300 Yeah. So I go to the promoter and said, Nick Gould said, Mr. Gould, I'm supposed to be on a $300 a week guarantee. He said, but it's a little, he said, oh, uh, no problem. Oversight, we'll make it up to you. Next week, I think it was like 120 But thankfully, before I left to go there, I met Jack Briscoe's brother, Jerry Briscoe, in Tampa. I'm leaving the next day. I tell Jerry I'm leaving to go to Nashville. And he already knew. And he says, this guy's going to, they're going to starving to death mm-hmm. he says take my number if you ever need anything call me so i was there in nashville starving for about i don't know four or five weeks and i finally said you know what i'm i didn't have any money when i went up there you know <laughs> and so i called jerry and i said jerry i'm starving to death jerry's in charlotte mid-atlantic he's a champion for jim crockett promotions mm-hmm. jerry's doing very very well the carolinas guy yeah yeah and so uh he said well, let me talk to old man crockett and see if i can get you in here Call me tomorrow. I did. He says, okay, you're booked. I said, Jerry, I don't have a place to live. I have no money. Come live with me. He's the champion. Dang. He's the champ. He's driving this really cool brand new little Mercedes coupe. You know, Jerry's, <laughs> he's got it going on. I wrestled the first week in Charlotte, just underneath guy, you know, first, mm-hmm. second match. I got my check, 440. I just went from 120, 160 to 440. Now things are looking better, right? <laughs> I wrestled there a little bit, Sam. And in back, Charlotte? In, yeah, that area, Charlotte, and around the Carolinas yeah. and Roanoke and here and there. Sure. Pretty big territory. And it was like a tag team territory, so tag team wrestling pretty much for the most part. One of the top guys, his father or mother became ill, and he was Canadian. He had to go back to Canada and behind closed doors, so they needed a replacement behind the closed doors. They put me with them, <laughs> unbeknownst to me until they told me, so you're going to take Klondike Bill's spot and you'll be teamed up with Nelson Royal, who was a great guy, a tremendous technician. So, okay, we go around, I get my check. I'm thinking, look, if I get 440, 400, I'm 
ecstatic. Yeah. I go into a bathroom stall because they pay you somewhere, what town, whatever. I lock the stall. I open the envelope real, really, really slowly. And I slide that check out. And I look at it. It's like 780. Wow. And I thought, <laughs> that's a mistake. You're going to have to tell them about it, right? So I'm thinking, but 780, man. Nelson Royal says to me, did you get your check? I said, yeah. He said, how much was it? I said, 780. I said, was that a mistake, Nelson? He says, no, that's what you made. I'm loving the wrestling business now. <laughs> so I was having, so for on a weekly basis, I was getting like in the sevens, yeah. you know. They made me rookie of the year. I had an opportunity to go to Australia for $1,000 a week guarantee, pay all expenses, 1972. I go to Australia. Eddie Graham buys the company from Jim Barnett. Jim, they take a month off during Christmas break. Jim Barnett says, will you come back for the transition? I said, absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. Taking care, return the favor. Of course, yeah. Yeah. He said, well, great. And listen, here's my number in case you ever need anything. I'll be staying at the, the Surfrider Hotel in Hawaii. <laughs> Not a bad place to be staying. Not terrible, no. <laughs> so I, I come back from a month off from Tampa, come back to Australia, and it wasn't the same. And their business just plummeted. I called Jim Barnett. I said, Jim, this territory is dead. It, I said, I got to get out of here. Where are you going? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I said, New York. New York. I'll call Vince. Dang. Vince Sr. at the time. Call me in a couple of days. Call him back. He says, you're booked. How long do you spend in New York? A year. I want to go back to your Australia experience. What was it like in the 70s? in Australia being a wrestler? Heaven. <laughs> heaven. So, heaven. So, yeah, I'm living... Now, remember, it's 72, right? I'm making a 1000 bucks a week net. They fly us everywhere. There's no driving, no riding. I mean, it was the honey club mm -hmm. of professional wrestling in the world. Very short roster. <clears throat> I mean, really, did I belong there? No, but I, I got... It was a lucky break. Yeah, right. of course you got to take them. Got to have well, you got to have a little element of luck, a percentage of luck, no matter. So yeah, I'm making a thousand bucks a week. I'm living in like a little place called the Texas Tavern. It's just a little dump, you know. But I said I got to get out of here. I found it in a newspaper, a penthouse for rent on Bondi Beach for four hundred dollars a month. <laughs> now I'm making a thousand bucks a week. I go look at this penthouse. You have to climb up seven or eight flight, flights of stairs. So I rented the penthouse. I'm living in a penthouse, Bondi <laughs> Beach, overlooking the water. Oh, and you're in your mid-20s. I, I, listen, if they had never sold, you know, I, I would have stayed there forever because I was living, it was paradise. <laughs> Cost of living was nothing, is nothing. When, uh, <clears throat> when you do get back to the, to the States, do you, are you driving everywhere at this point? Yeah. Or yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Even through the when you were in the Carolinas, sure. I've heard stories of people like Greenville to Charlotte to Roanoke to Charleston to Columbia, like yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. So it's life on the road a lot, right? So it's got to be oh, difficult. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's life on the road. You know, you're doing, depending on what your situation was, but you do 100,000 miles a year. What was, um, what was it like leading up to the plane crash? Where were you in your career? Well, I'd been to New York. You know, did great. Yeah, I, mean, I really did great. I that mean, kicked off your career like big time in the U.S., right? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I was there. I mean, it was great because uh, I think I was there for about six weeks and uh, just kind of like maybe in the middle of the card. Mm -hmm. And then one day, I can't remember, I think it was Philadelphia, uh, Vince Sr. You know, wanted to talk to me. He said, hey, I'm going to put you with Lou Albano. Lou was a manager at the time and one of the greatest of all time. I mean, it's, you can't just, how do you describe this guy? He looked like a, he really looked so freakish, but cool. I mean, he was like, I mean, I mean, back then MTV was hot, Lou's mm -hmm. doing MTV, I mean, geez, geez, I mean, no, maybe MTV wasn't hot at that time, I don't think it was, but Lou was, Lou was just so cool, and he was tremendous mic skills, I mean, he could talk, I mean, he, he just like, nonstop, whatever, and I was with Lou for about a year, so in the very beginning, I would just stand there, and Lou's doing all the talking, and I'm just listening and learning, mm -hmm. I said, this guy is amazing. And it kind of, that's where I got my early mic skills from Lou Albano. Yeah. yeah. So they gave me a push and uh, I was there about a year. Went home to Tampa for vacation. What didn't even want to wrestle. Went into the office one day and Louis Tillet, who was the uh, talent coordinator, Booker, he said, do you want to wrestle? I said, no, not really, Louis. I want to just take, take some time off. He said, well, I got an idea. I said, well, what is it? He said, we got a guy here by the name of Dusty Rhodes. And Dusty's really hot right now. Yeah. He's, like drawing tons of money. He said, what if we make you Dusty's protege, like a partner, and you'll put you under a mask. Yep. And Dusty was from Texas. We'll call you Super Texan. He says, you're going to make money. I'm in. So I was Dusty's partner for yeah. in Florida. I'm making money again. And that's now we're leading up, kind of heading. 74-ish, somewhere yeah, around kind there. Of, kind of starting to heading towards 75. With... um. With the night of the crash, I've read, and I think I've heard you talk about it, that you had some feeling that you didn't want to get on the private jet. You wanted to fly commercial. Yeah, and it wasn't even a jet. It was a four-seater you know, Cessna, Cessna, 180 yeah. or whatever. So it wasn't even a... Yeah, yeah. Well, I already had... Uh, I was already booked on Delta. And you were going from Tampa to Miami? Yeah. Was it uh was your original thought, hey, I'm gonna go down there, fly commercial, come back the next morning? And yep. you got talk to me about how you got on the Cessna. What was the invite? What was like, all right, I'll get on the Cessna? Yeah, I was laying out by the pool one day and uh, Gary Hart, who lived in the same apartment complex, Gary asked me one day, How are you going to Miami? I said, I'm flying commercial, I'm taking Delta. He said, Why don't you fly with us? We have a seat open. It's a uh, small plane. Buddy Colt is the, but and Gary said very competent, mm -hmm. ex marine, yada yada. Well, I don't know anything about how many hours you should have and, and, and that stuff. I mean, I don't know, but sure, uh, I wouldn't either. Yeah, and uh, he says you know, I'll be on it. Bobby Shane will be on it, and you know, if you want the four seat, he says you can we'll fly down. We'll come back that night. You know, fifty, sixty bucks because I know you're spending a lot more yeah. on commercial. Plus, you'll be staying over in the hotel and you know all that. So I said, no thanks. And I think Gary asked me the third time during that day, he said, you ought to really, and you know, my inner voice was saying, don't do it, don't do it. And I disobeyed my inner voice. I haven't done it since then. <laughs> I swear, I'm not kidding you. I believe it. I have not disobeyed my inner voice since then. I mean, it kind of even screamed to me a little bit. He said, you really want to go over and do the podcast with Sam? I said, <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. But he says, well, you said you were going to do it with him. Okay, I'll go do it, you know. <laughs> so, 
Uh, so anyway, I went, Sam, and then the flight down was perfect. Coming back, things got out of control, and then boom, we crashed in Tampa Bay. Was there, what was the reason of the crash? Was it weather? It was weather, and it was... Talk me through the crash. Y'all are in the air. Everything's good. What, what's your memory of it? Yeah, we're on our way back. We're, we're at Sarasota now, which is 50 miles or so from Tampa. The weather's perfect. Mm-hmm. Stars everywhere. Florida, beautiful Florida night. And uh, Buddy's talking to the flight controller who would have been, I believe, at MacDill Air Force Base. And the flight controller's told Buddy, says, because uh, we left, yeah, we took off from Tampa International, and the, the flight controller said, Tampa International is closed because of weather, but you can get into Peter O'Knight. That's Little Island right there. And I know where Peter O'Knight is. I know where Peter O'Knight is. Davis Island is the name of where the, Har- where the Davis Island. Oh, there you go. Davis Island, yeah. <laughs> Back up. Davis Island. How could I forget that? Yeah, but Davis Island. So uh, the weather socked, socked into Tampa International. The guy says the weather's open, and it's how you define open. What does open mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To someone who is uh, instrument rated, okay. But someone who's visual rated, not instrument, which Buddy was was just visual rated, not in, instrument yeah. very far. Well, there was like a little vote. What do you guys want to do? I wanted to go back to, I, I said, why don't we just turn around, with the weather's still good, go back to Sarasota, we'll rent a car, and we'll come drive to Tampa. Yeah, it's not far. No. Well, everybody said, yeah, let's just go do it. So I got outvoted, and uh, the rest is history. So you, y'all go down for a landing, and it's not going to work, and y'all are looking for the runway, and y'all pull up and end up crashing in the bay? Yeah. Do you remember hitting the water with the plane crashing into the water? Totally. So you didn't get blacked out. You didn't get knocked out. I would have died. I would have drowned. Yeah. Okay. True. So you, how far away from the shore when you come up out of the plane are you? Close to a mile. What's the rescue effort to get you back to the shore? Well, first of all, we have to get there, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was a struggle yeah of course i you know i don't even know i know you didn't you sustain broken ankles you have you were i think pinned a little bit like your feet were pinned trapped i was trapped in my seatbelt too yeah and the plane is sinking the planes i mean we already we hit and everything when we hit it it was like there was really no warning you know there really was no warning. of course yeah And, and i'm riding shotgun in the front right now visibility is nothing nothing and i saw white caps white caps and as soon as i saw the white caps i said to myself quickly you're dead because you know you're going to you're going you're crashing in the water yeah you're dead uh bang then everything is like a dream goes into slow motion and i'm tumbling and there's water everywhere it's like a dream really yeah I'm tumbling and there's water everywhere and obviously I'm still conscious and then everything comes to a, a standstill. And when that happened, I realized, oh my God, you've, you've crashed, but you're alive. Now you got to save yourself. You mm-hmm. know? 
and uh, because I was literally trapped in the in my seat. I was wearing cowboy boots somehow and so, somehow or another I was able to slide out of the boots but this seatbelt and I was wearing jeans the seatbelt that I had on I couldn't get that thing off for I mean I was going to say to save my life but I did but uh, and the fuselage is slowly sinking into the water because it floated for a little while mm -hmm. and it's slowly sinking and now I'm saying to myself you just survived a plane crash and now you're going to drown. So you got to fight, man. I mean, you got to fight like a mother. And so I finally got that seatbelt off and I rose to the top of the water and just treading water. Sure. Just treading water, sand. All I could hear was water. The white caps, nothing else. So I'm thinking now, everybody's dead but you. You're going to have to find a way to get out of this thing. And I, I hollered out, is everybody okay? Nothing. Is everybody okay? And then I heard a voice in the distance, probably, whew, I don't know, 30 yards. Yeah. Pretty, because they got thrown out. So uh, Buddy Colt and Gary Hart, Bobby, are you okay? Nothing. Bobby, are you okay? Nothing. Bobby was sitting in the back. I'm sitting in the front. These two voices are from the, in the distance. So I, I'm thinking that, well, Bobby, maybe he went down in the, with the plane. Yeah. And I'm right there on location. Try to do something. Try to save him. It's cold. It's dark. I'm in sh shock. It's setting in. So I tried to do like a little dive, you know what I mean? But nothing. Tried again. Nothing. I said, well, you know, you got you have to save yourself. And we yeah. All, so if you look at sure. the wreckage, it's amazing. Three y'all lived. Sam, you know what? I'm a big believer in God. And and there was a reason for that, you know. Yeah. Do you have you ever thought about uh and I'm sure you have, you were extremely strong at this point. Yeah. You know, do you think that helped you survive? Like maybe even like your neck, you know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. Yeah, because stuff like that. Oh, I, yeah, be, well, yeah, that's a great point that you just brought up because the the, the steering, the yoke there is on both sides. And when we hit, obviously my head hit that thing, didn't mm -hmm. knock me out. Yeah. But when I got to the hospital, my neck was just so swollen from that impact and I had to hit that. I think it knocked it off. I think it knocked the yoke off. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure strength, you know, helped, you know, the will to live, the will to survive, yeah. you know, being an athlete, you know, that's Florida, swam, I was always swimming or somewhere, whenever. So were were y'all able to so do y'all swim all the way to shore without dog paddled? Yeah. When when was the police called? Like when did other people find out like the first other people find out that the plane went down? We swam toward the lights, which was the residential area, very affluent, very Davidson, very very mm -hmm. affluent area. You know, big money like you. And uh you all right? You need the Heimlich? <laughs> I can give you the Heimlich. I've saved people's lives doing the Heimlich. I saved one person's life doing Heimlich. That's a true story. Really? And I've never done it before, but I saw how you do it. Yeah. And this person was choking. Gonna be a goner. I said, man, you got it. Boom, bang, boom, projectile. Save, <laughs> save the person's life. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, swim toward the lights. We, we get to the, there was a dock. Fortunately, the tide was out. So there was, you know, the water level was down. Mm -hmm. 
Buddy couldn't stand up. I couldn't stand up. Buddy only had one, well, one of his feet were just hanging by threads. I mean, really by threads. Mm -hmm. uh, Gary Hart could stand up. So we, Buddy and I got shoulder to shoulder and Gary Hart stood on our shoulders and pulled himself up on the dock, which was pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, plus these, these uh, the piers, the barnacles and everything, you know, razor sharp. I mean, we're bleeding anyway. I mean, we're all bleeding. Shark infested waters, Tampa Bay. True story that they were famous for that at the time because Tampa used to do a lot of dumping there, mm -hmm. trash, garbage. Well, sharks love that stuff. So we didn't get attacked by sharks. Uh, Gary pulls himself on the dock and he goes to pound on the door, door of the house there. And of course, there's no way we would know, but four, five, six weeks previously, there'd been a murder on Davis Island. So everybody's freaked out. Dang. Now here's a guy pounding on the door at two, three o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. After the show, y'all fly direct back directly after the show from Miami. So yeah, it's late well, at night. Well, he's gushing in blood. From the plane crash, he's gushing in blood. It just happened to be a doctor's house. They call Tampa General Hospital, which is on Davis Island. And then they send out the, I mean, I think they had to chopper us. They put us in a boat. They dropped a boat. They dropped a small boat for Buddy and myself. They dropped a small boat. We climbed into the boat, you know, crawled into the boat. And then they choppered us out of the boat and took us to Tampa General. Then the weeks following, did you, uh, what was your thoughts about life? What was your thoughts about what you wanted to do next? Did you, did you say, I'm going to stop wrestling? What was your, what was your mindset the weeks following? Well, you, you, it changes your whole mindset mm -hmm. in terms of thinking about the future, you know, like. First, well, first, I mean, I was in severe pain for a very long time. I yeah. couldn't stand up. I had to crawl around my hands and knees to do anything and everything. I mean, severe pain, really severe pain. So just fighting through the pain was that that was the, the that was the main thing mm -hmm. to try to get out of pain and find it started waning. But yeah, I mean, uh, long range planning. I used to be a long range planner. Oh, 10 years from now. What? Yeah, it's now it's like five minutes from now yeah it changed my whole outlook on life you know it's carpe diem seize sure. the day well seize the minute mm -hmm. you may not have a day how long did it take you to recover from your injuries oh man because you had two broken ankles one ankle is f fused well you know I, I'm, I'm as I'm sitting here I'm just kind of Range of motion, range of motion on my left ankle is not so hot. Right ankle, pretty good. But on my right foot, my right big toe is fused. So, I mean, I can get up and do stuff, you know, but just fused. You know, yeah. you kind of work around that stuff, you know, you just work around it. But I don't know, it probably took me six, seven months, eight months, something like that, you know, to finally kind of get back a little bit, get to the gym, start to try to get my mind right. Yeah, for sure. I didn't have any help either, Sam. What was... um. You know, I don't know if I've heard you talk about this. Did you fall into depression? Did you find yourself lost, lonely? Like, what was your way of getting through that? No, I did not fall into depression. No, I did not. 
uh, and one might think that boy, this guy's going to be so down. Yeah. But no, I really was never down like depressed because, you know, and I believe a lot of it really goes. I can attribute it to that year of being tortured down in Tampa. <laughs> you know, it was so. It's hard. I really can't describe it properly. I really can't. But it really gave me an opportunity to find my inner core. Mm -hmm. I mean, I haven't climbed Mount Everest and all that. I get all that stuff. But but uh, being just taking these constant beatdowns and beatdowns and beatdowns. I mean, they're horrible. They're really horrible. And I never gave up and I never quit. And little did I really realize at the time, I'm really programming myself. You know, I'm really programming myself like, hey, no matter what, one thing's for sure, Austin Idol, you ain't no quitter. Yeah, you're gonna get back I, up. I don't care what. Wake up. You ain't no quitter. So, I never got depressed from the thing. I just wanted to heal up. You know, I just mm -hmm. wanted to recover from the the wreck and take it from there. When did you start thinking about wrestling again? Well, I was running out of money because <laughs> you, you couldn't get insurance back then. And I, thank God I'd saved some money from Australia and New York, so I had mm -hmm. some money socked away. But everything's going out and nothing's coming in. You know, you're looking at that, you say, man, things are getting kind of yeah. lean. But now that I'm back to where I can do something, Gary Hart ends up getting a, a job in, with, in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Jim Barnett was part, of, part owner of it. I believe Jim part owner of Australia. Now Jim is in Georgia. Gary's the same situation. He's running out of money, so Gary gets a gets the gig as the the booker, the the talent coordinator. He gets the job. He says, "Hey, I, you you want to come with me?" Yeah, how you doing? <laughs> come, come, you know, come, I, you know, because I'm, you know, things aren't aren't looking very good. And so I go to Georgia. Now I'd had the New York exposure as Iron Mike McCord mm -hmm. from all the magazines because back then. You know, that it was the magazines for wrestling. Yeah, I remember those magazines. Yeah, there you go. So I go to go to Georgia. I can't wear wrestling boots. My feet are so screwed up. I had to tape and wrap and everything and just the whole thing. But when I got there, people got so behind me. You know, they really did. They said, man, this guy just came from the cheated death. I yeah. mean, he can't even wear boots. Oh, I mean... I became extremely popular immediately. Does that when you started to change your brand? No, no, it wasn't because I was I was doing really well there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was making I was making money again. Yeah, thank God, I was making money again and pretty good money, making pretty good money. And um, what happened was I developed uh, a blood clot in the shin of my I think it was my left leg. I think left or right. Uh, phlebitis. Mm -hmm. you familiar with phlebitis? No, but I know blood clots can be extremely dangerous. Amputate your leg or something like that. Kill you. Yeah. Die, paralysis, you know, stroke, whatever. So uh, I was scheduled to go to, I think it was on a Sunday. Yeah, it was on a Sunday. And uh, we had the day off, but all of a sudden, my, my fever, like 100, 405. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to the ER and they said, yeah, phlebitis. So what's phlebitis? It's a blood clot. It's in your shin. It says, we're going to give you some anticoagulants to try to reduce that, you know, that uh, inflammation, the, the clot itself. It says, go home, elevate your leg, don't get out of bed for anything. For 
anything, take these anticoagulants. Hopefully the fever will boom and the blood clot will dissolve. And I'm laying in bed now. Can't go anywhere or anything, Sam. But I don't, the only thing I care about is, please God, let that blood clot dissolve, mm-hmm. please. Now, I've already been through a plane crash. And prior to that, I've been through the torture. So, you know, I'm really getting tested, 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 tested. Yeah. Now I got the blood clot. I fought my way back to this, mm-hmm. making money again. So, and I'm the Ch- Georgia Ch- Georgia champion. Yeah. I'm the Georgia heavyweight champion. And I got the belt. And uh, the next day was Augusta, Georgia. I, and Gary Hart was the booker, right? So I called Gary. I said, Gary, I can't go to Augusta. He said, what do you mean? I said, I have phlebitis. I can't get out of bed. You have to go. You're the champion. I can't go, and I won't go. I quit. Come pick up the belt. Dang. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? I'm going to risk my life? Yeah. So they sent somebody over from the office. They pick up the belt. Now I'm laying in bed still. Now I'm unemployed. I'm back to square A, square yeah, yeah. whatever. But all I'm thinking about is, I got to get healthy here. And at the time, I was about 300 pounds, mm-hmm. power lifter, the 500 bench, the whole thing. I said, I got to get back. I got to get healthy. I was going to lose the weight anyway, but this kind of kicked it off a little sooner than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Go back to Tampa. So, well, I, I got to lose 100 pounds. I got to go from 300 to 200. Got to do it. How'd you do it? Nutrition, baby. <laughs> nutrition. And my weight's still off. Yeah. 100 pounds, still off. Yeah. Uh, nutrition, just eating right and, the, the, you know, knowing knowing it knowing it's such a confusing industry mm-hmm. weight loss it's so confusing and that's why they do so well that industry because they keep the consumer totally confused yeah they change it all the time oh, no fat <laughs> no carbs uh, keto and shmito and whatever larry curly and moto you know but <laughs> so, so anyway i i developed my own little thing and uh, the weight's starting to come off sam you know it's starting to come off but i'm back see i can i can train though now the phlebitis is gone and i can go to the gym I'm training, I'm eating super clean, the weight's coming off. Two pounds a week, that's how I targeted it. That's so, a good goal. Yeah, better than trying to say, oh, I gotta lose 100, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Well, that's how a lot of people look at it. Yeah, baby steps <laughs> yeah. on that, because otherwise you'll, you, you'll blow it, you know, probably blow it. Two pounds a week, I can do that. So I got down to about 225, and one day I'm looking in the mirror, I said, God, man, dude, I mean, you're looking good. Looking good. <laughs> you're looking good. You know, the wrestling business is still out there. Your money's about gone. You know this business. I think you better take take another shot at it. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I, mean, I can't go back as Iron Mike. I'm 200. You're going to have to start over. Great. Need a name. Austin Idol. Yeah. I told Billy Corgan that. He says, you mean you came up with that? I said, yeah, I came up with it. I'm not a dummy. <laughs> Yeah, it's my name, Austin Idol, something memorable, Idol, 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 right? And I started adding some tags to it. Women's Pet, Men's Regret, yeah. Universal Heartthrob. Yeah. I started layering this thing, trying to create something that could be memorable if I could pull it off. Did my hair, blonde, you know, the whole thing. Idolmania, there and you I go. Got, and I got over, I got over.
Engineered Sleep makes the best mattresses out there. Sleep is the number one thing you can focus on right now to better your performance on a daily basis, and you might as well be sleeping on an Engineered Sleep mattress. Like I said, their products are the best, and their customer service is second to none. Their website is engineeredsleep.com. If you use promo code LIVE15, you'll get 15% off your order. So if you or someone you know is looking for a new mattress, reach out to the team at Engineered Sleep, and they'll hook you up. Again, their website is engineeredsleep.com. Use promo code LIVE15 to get 15% off your order. What was your first uh, like <clears throat> match or territory back with uh, Austin Idol? Nightmare, Dallas. Nightmare. <laughs> why, why is it a nightmare? Na- nightmare, because I went out there. Now, bear in mind, I, I mean, I, I was... The, I went through the Florida car wash there, you know what I mean? <laughs> Crawling across hot coals on your belly. This yeah. was Texas... Tennessee and Alabama, right? Your comeback. No, it was just Texas. I don't know what they call it. Texas Championship. I don't know what. Just all I know is just Texas, Dallas, based out of Dallas. I go there, and I'm this new guy, and uh, people don't even recognize me. You know, they really don't. And the way they put it in a nice way, the way they handled their business, it just went against the grain for me, and I knew that. You don't have a future here. You can't do this. I mean, it's, you, no. You, so I left. I left. I left on a lark. I even gave the promoter a, uh, an ultimatum, which I knew he would, was going to make him mad. Yeah. And it did. And he <laughs> told me I'd never work again. I said, okay, all right. And then I went from there to Portland, Oregon. That's a long haul. That's a long one. Driving, baby. Yeah, you didn't fly for a while. Driving. Right? Have you flown since the crash? Sure, I have. Been okay. back and forth to Japan. Flew in. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, Sam. You didn't drive. Did you do any homework? You here? didn't fly for a while though. Yeah, right? sure I did. Okay, that, that's all BS. All right, I read some article where it was like Austin Idol like turned down contracts because he didn't want to fly at some point. No, it's totally false. Okay, that's totally. <laughs> have false. Have you heard that though? Of course I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but anybody who put that out there would have to be a moron knowing that, well, wait a minute. I don't went back and forth to Japan. Yeah, yeah. He didn't take a boat. <laughs> Did he? Did he take a boat? Did he swim? He went back and forth to Memphis. They flew him in and out of Memphis for 10 years off and on. Yeah, I was flying up here in the mid-Atlantic when I finally came back. I have a... Uh, Crazy people. Uh, I did read that article, though. I was like... I, I don't know. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, People just, just write anything. Right. I have a side note question. Side note? Yeah, it's kind of... That same year in 75, there was another big wrestling plane crash. Have you ever talked with Ric Flair? Flair? Yeah, about... We never, no, we never... Flair and I never talked about the crash. No? No, there's no reason to. Uh-uh. I, I don't know. I mean, same year... There was a lot of articles that popped up was like... The year of 75 changed wrestling, two big plane crashes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I didn't know if y'all, I mean, he broke his back. And, you know, I know obviously the traumatic experience you went through. I didn't know yeah. if y'all tried to gain any similarities through it or like no. talk about it. No, no, <laughs> never, 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 never brought it up. Uh-uh. With um, your first stint in Japan was 80, right? Probably. What was what was the first reason? What took you to Japan? And I think you went back late eighties, but in nineteen eighty, I read you first went to Japan. Terry Funk called me, the legendary Terry Funk <laughs> called me, and Terry was so big in Japan. It was just him and his brother Dory Junior. Uh, Terry said, "Hey, you want to go to Japan?" And uh, 
I said, I don't know, Terry. I said, what's the money like? And he gave me a number. I said, yeah, I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> I'll go. So I went there. It was, it was a month. It was 30 days. And that's it. You better be in shape. Were you wrestling like uh, the sumo guys? No, 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 no. Because that's a whole other ballgame. Those guys are weighing four or 500 pounds mm -hmm. or whatever. No, these guys are unbelievable athletes. I mean, the, the Japanese culture, you know, they're very rigid to this day, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. It's how they grew up. You know, it's part of their upbringing. They're very rigid. They're very serious about everything. And, and wrestling was no different. And these guys were extremely physical. It wasn't like back then, even though American style is physical, but this was another animal. Sure. I mean, it really was. And I have ha read, though, there's you. some of the American wrestlers can make great careers, like going to Australia or going to Japan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So super popular. Yeah. And I mean, I know a lot of them made, that's really their primary thing, what they did. They yeah. Did go to Japan maybe 16 weeks a year. You know, if they're paying you like 10000 a week for 16 weeks, you can go home and just that's insane. pick and choose something, you know? <laughs> right? Pick it, work a little here, work a little there, or whatever, yeah. But, yeah. What was, um, what was the culture like around Austin Idol your first few years? Like, tell me about what the wrestling world was thinking about you. Well, I got hot. I got hot Fairly, Dallas was a bomb. Portland was a bomb. Of course, you're driving all these places. Yeah, Portland was a bomb. <laughs> but I go back to Tampa from Portland, you know, took a year to get there by car. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, you got this idle thing. You know it's going to work, but you've got to find a place for it to work. I got an, and ironically, I get a call from Terry Funk. Say, hey, listen, would you be interested in going to work in Detroit, Cobo Hall, which Cobo was the the place for Detroit. Uh, the, 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 the Sheik, Eddie Farhat, he owned the territory. And at one time, it was like one of the best wrestling towns, cities in America, mm -hmm. maybe even the world. They'd lost television, their main television, but they got back on a, another station, but it didn't have that power and that push. And Terry said, look, we're trying to rebuild the thing, you know, rebuild it. So, I mean, they... So I said, yeah, I'll do it. And they had an all-star crew. I mean, their crew was like all-stars. I mean, freaking all-stars. The only thing they didn't have was they didn't have that big TV. So I, I wrestled there two or three times. The Sheik bounced two or three checks on me, but he always made them good. He always made them good. And I'm in the gym one day in Tampa, Hector's gym, working out. And I bump into Rocky Johnson, The Rock's father. Wow. And Rocky, Rocky and I were tight anyway. I hadn't seen him in a while, but we were we were tight. So uh, Rocky says, what are you doing these days? I said, well, I was going to Detroit a little bit. He said, but I said, forget that. Too too much aggravation. And he says, man, he said, you do great in Memphis. I said, I'm not going to Tennessee, Rock. I had that experience in Nashville. He said, no, no, no. Memphis is a whole, they split. This is another territory. It's owned by Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler's a, a partial owner and Jerry Lawler is the big deal there. He said, I'm telling you, Idol, you do great there. He said, why don't, why don't I give Jerry Jarrett your number? Just talk to him. Well, I'm unemployed. Again. <laughs> Again. Right? So I said, okay. Jerry Jarrett calls me. He said, hey, uh, Rocky Johnson suggested that we talk, blah, blah, blah. He says, why don't you come up and do a TV for us? 
I said, that, that's fine. I said, but Jerry, I don't want to wrestle on TV. He said, what do you mean? I said, I don't want to wrestle on TV. I said, if you want to bring me up, I'd love to do it. Just let me just go out there and cut a promo. Let me, make, let me just cut a promo. Mm-hmm. Well, they had live TV. Their TV, their, their ratings on that TV was so big. Dallas was the big thing back then. Dallas with JR, who shot JR and all that thing. Their ratings were bigger than Dallas in that area. Wow. Everybody watched that TV. And it was live, live television. So Jerry Jarrett says, Idol, just go out there and do your thing. And so I knew, I said, man, I got to go out there and crush this thing. I went out there and made one tremendous promo. When the the wrestling was over for the day, he calls me into a room. He says, look, I want you, I want you to come up, come up here. Now we're in a, this is like poker, right? <laughs> Who's, he's got a lot of money. He's really got all the cards, but I'm going to go, I'm going to try to bluff him. <laughs> I'm going to try to bluff him. He said, I want you to come up here. I said, Jerry, I'd love to come up here and work with you. I said, but I don't want to work full time. He said, what? I said, I don't want to work full time. And I said, but I already knew the towns. Memphis is on Monday, Money Town. Louisville on Tuesday, Money Town. Evansville on Wednesday, pretty good Money Town. Then once a month, Lexington in Kentucky, okay. where the Wildcats play basketball. Yep. Big big house, big oh, yeah. building. Rupp Arena. Big yeah. building, once a month, Rupp. So I said, I don't work full time, but I will work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and once a month, Rupp. Okay, let's give it a shot. <laughs> he said, okay, let's give it a shot. I'm thinking, wow, man. Wow, I bluffed him. When did you, um, you made your ways back to the Carolinas there for a bit, right? Yeah, it didn't work out. No? It didn't work. It didn't, no, it didn't work out. No, I came up here for a little bit. It started off good and then it didn't work out. What was um, your biggest rival, right? Jerry Lawyer? Well, I had Lawler ten years off and on. What? Tell me about that. Uh, that relationship. How did that build? Well, you had two guys who were very capable in the ring, very capable on the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> very contrasting in terms of their personalities. Yeah. Both of them, it, you know, it was just a chemistry is what it was. Mm-hmm. It was just chemistry. Are y'all friends? I speak to Jerry occasionally. <laughs> occasionally, yeah. Occasionally I speak to him. He's, he's, got, he's had some medical issues uh, as of probably the last two or three years. But occasionally I'll talk to Jerry. Not very often, but uh, yeah. C- probably a couple of weeks ago I had a conversation with him. What, um, <clears throat> what was... You ended up retiring at first time, I think, in 98, right? 98? Right? Well, that's what I, I don't re- know. Well, but you've been in the game ever since. 90, you still do a lot of wrestling. Now, I don't wrestle. But you still do, you're in the business. I'm in the business, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping Billy Corgan's going to give me present me soon with a uh, presidential Rolex diamond-studded bezel watch. Oh, I'm sorry. William Patrick Corgan. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what you call it. Sorry, William. Was there Diamond-studded um... president. You know, the whole gold thing, you know, 50 years in the business. William. There you go. William. What on. was... Um... Show me some love, William. From a viewer, I view the wrestling, and especially in those years, as being like the Wild West of like crazy stories, crazy characters and guys and brands. You know, what was what's the experience behind the scenes? Is it 
a lot of business or is it a lot of fly by the seat of your pants? Uh, well, I guess it. That's a great question. I mean, for me, it's for me, it's just like you know the, the old west, like you said. Yeah, you're a gunslinger, <laughs> right? And it's crazy the territories, because like you said, there's like all these different territories of where yeah. you can go into. And you're working with different promoters and their 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 bookers and who can you get along with? Uh, who who will you know give you that opportunity? You know and. It's like any business probably you have, you go somewhere, maybe they have favorites mm -hmm. and, and they don't want you because you're a threat. Yeah. That happened to me. I mean, it, you know, it happened to me. Of course, you see now as a threat, they're going to. Yeah. No, we don't want, no, because he's going to take somebody's spot. Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, but that was the beautiful thing about Memphis. They were all business. We're not, he, this guy's not trying to take anybody's spot. He, he's going to, hopefully he's going to draw us a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. How, um, how, are, how are you physically now? Because I've read, you know, so many, I think about like Hulk Hogan and these guys who've had 20 plus surgeries and they've had so many medical issues. Yeah. Um, I hadn't found that about you. No, it's not out there. Yeah. You've remained pretty darn healthy. Yeah. Yes, I have. <laughs> so I have. Sorry, that's a twitch, uh, Sam. You know, it'll go away in about two days. But. No, I th thankfully, uh, you know, yeah, I'm healthy. Never had a surgery, no replacements, um, not on any meds, yeah, none of that. Uh, but I, I've lived, I've lived, a, you know, not the life of a saint, but I've lived pretty clean. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not, I didn't get into some things that were available that I could have if I would have chosen to follow, sure, as opposed to lead. So I've always been had that leading mentality. Mm -hmm not trying to fit in, but stand out yep. and be a bit of a contrarian, you know, and so a lot of, and often people don't like that because he's not one of us. Well, I'm, you're right. We might be in the same business, but you're right. I'm not one of you. I'm me and I'm going to take care of me. So here I am at, uh, what am I, 47 or 74? One or the other. <laughs> Uh, okay. Objection to that answer. Objection. I'm going to object in advance, Sam, but I've taken care of myself. Yeah. So, you know, I feel, I feel great. Yeah. With, um, and like you've mentioned, you're always like your main, your brain's moving. You're thinking of new things to do. Yeah. yeah. The reason we connected is a new mission you're on. Yeah. With two other guys, I believe. Yeah. Can we talk about that some? Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. With, um, is the name of it? Triumph over tragedy. Yeah, that's that. That is the name of it because that's exactly what it is. Yeah, talk to me through the two other guys you're doing this with. Yeah, yeah they're first of all they're wonderful human beings, and they're, and we all have so much in common. All have been or currently in the wrestling business at some level, mm -hmm. like Bobby Fulton, who's now with the NWA, and he's a tremendous guy. Uh, Stevie Richards. Uh, we had a pretty good run with WWE yep. and ECW. I mean, a great guy. Yeah. And uh, and myself, uh, we've all had these, not just being in or still in the wrestling business, but we've all knocked on door the de death's door, mm -hmm. but survived. So we have three different, three people, three different stories. But the end result is that we 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 walked through the fire. All three of us, we walked through the fire, and came out okay. Yep. And the stories are 
insane. I mean, you and I talked about my plane crash. Mm-hmm. Heavy duty stuff. Right? Yeah, insane. Yeah, Bobby Fulton feels fine. Has a little raspy throat. He goes to the doctor. I think it's 2009. Check out the throat deal. They run some tests on. He says, "You've got a tumor in your malignant tumor mm-hmm. in your throat, the size of a large baked potato. We have to remove it, and we have to treat you. This is December 2009. If we don't, you'll be dead by February." This guy was doing fine. Yeah, and he was like a talk about healthy individual. I feel like this. I read he was one of like. A beacon of health. <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden you get this smackdown. You know what I mean? And it devastates and floors you. Mm-hmm. I've got a malignant tumor in my throat, the size of a large baked potato. That now they're going to have to do a radical surgery, and then then the chemo, the chemo, the chemo. And the doctor told Bobby, he said, "Look, we're basically have to kill you to to keep you alive." Yeah. Bobby goes through that. And he comes out. But that process, Bobby's told me the story. It's a a story that if anybody hears that story, Bobby's speaking in front of a group, anybody, a corporation, a college, a high school. Yeah. They're going to, and matter of fact, the three of us, they're going to, when they walk away, they won't be complaining about anything. (laughs) What is y'all's mission? To share that, to share the mission? people? Yeah. Absolutely, motivate people. Let them know that hey, you you can you can do this. How did it come about? How did you three get connected? My idea, you know, I'm a genius. How many times have I said that? <laughs> yeah, I keep trying to convince myself. <laughs> well, you know, I hadn't seen Bobby Fulton in the in the longest time, and I've only been around Stevie Richards one time. It was in Atlanta. I was there for the NWA, and Stevie came came there to. I think he was just like visiting some friends and I met Stevie first mm-hmm. time I ever met him and we hit it off immediately this guy's got a soul and a spirit that's phenomenal and then uh, I hadn't seen Bobby in a thousand years and I bumped into him in an NWA thing and then I don't know it was just after some time you know I started thinking about it I said you know what these three guys all these similarities this is a big story yeah this it is a was big story <clears throat> Was it resonating in your mind that we don't see enough of this type of stuff? Like we always see all this negativity and shit on TV. Always. Yeah. Oh, that's why I don't watch the news. <laughs> me neither. I don't watch the news. And, you know, there are people who say, you didn't mean, what are you, hiding your head in the sand? No, I don't want to fill my head with that. Yeah. I think I'll go the positive mm-hmm. route. What's, uh, what are the next steps for you guys? Well, we've got it together, and I sent you uh, some stuff. You saw a video, and yep. you saw a little bit of stuff, some photos and whatever. Uh, I have a friend uh, in Louisville, pretty successful guy. I know tomorrow he will be seeing some folks with the University of Louisville football program about hopefully getting us into talk to the football players, yeah. admin, uh, maybe around September, which would be cool. Yeah. Beginning of college football. That's right. Uh-huh. Uh, so um, he's hopeful. He, he's encouraged because he had a phone call, initial phone call, and they were interested. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow he's actually going to go do a face-to-face. That's really cool. It could be extremely cool. With um, 
with y'all's mission though y'all want to reach as many people about this story of overcoming adversity whether it be yep. a football program or it could be a corporate office right yeah any business you know we want people yeah i mean i mean i mean it's it's not to be uh, the discriminate you know but we don't want to go to an office that's got three people in it sure I mean, we'd like to talk to thousands of people make an we, impact we may, yeah yeah we may start with hundreds hundreds and maybe it escalates to thousands i mean if you don't have a dream forget about it for sure with um with your story of adversity what do you think when you describe it to people how do you best describe it the way you did it like, there's so many ways to describe adversity i mean you know there's so many ways and we're all different and uh and i think in a sense it's it's kind of an umbrella statement a little bit generic but i think in a sense that we're all recovering mm -hmm. what are you recovering from well i'm recovering from a divorce yeah i'm recovering from a bankruptcy i'm recovering from somebody walked away from me you know a friend turned their back on me mm -hmm. i'm recovering from it's an addiction i'm recovering from whatever so i think that we're all recovering from something mm -hmm. and it doesn't really go away it doesn't but we have to we have to be steadfast we have to work at it daily daily basis I've, and sam i have myself so coached up i really do i mean i'm so coached up and it's not difficult but i mean i'm the mr positive guy i know? like it yeah and there's optimist and, 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 yeah and it's how we what do we believe in i mean do we believe in little things or do we believe in big things what are we expecting? Expectancy. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what, Sam? I'm not expecting too much. This is probably going to be my lot in life. I'm probably not really going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what? I'm expecting big things to happen. <laughs> right? I'm expecting big things to happen. That's what I'm expecting, and that's what I'm shooting for. That's what I'm going for. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I don't feel like exercising. I don't want to go to the gym. I know I need to lose weight. So... Well, is that that's your mindset? You want to, you know, you need to lose weight. You don't want to exercise. Well, what's your game plan? You got to change that. You got to flip that thing. You know, you really, it's a, it's a mindset. Mm -hmm. It really, really is. And we, myself, certainly included, we have to have our minds in the right place every day. Yeah. Every day. I mean, occasionally, yeah, you're going to get something that's going to come in. It's going to say, listen, I want to take you down a little bit, <laughs> yeah. or somebody, or somebody. Mm -hmm that is walking around with their head down, looking at their shoes with their hands in their pockets, and their whole attitude is like, oh, I've been screwed. Mm -hmm. I've been dealt a bad hand. You know what I mean? Uh, the world's against me. Mm -hmm. And the, look at the news, and the prices of it, and the inflation, and yada, yada, yada. And if a, a person can suck another person into that quicksand, that swamp, yeah. And get them to start thinking like they do. They got them. Yeah. Sam, they've got them. You're sinking. I, I know now. one person like that. Not a friend. Will never be a friend. But I know one person like that. And it's a con and it's a scam. Because you know what? If I can get you, Sam, Sam, man, I'm so down, man. I don't know what I'm going to do. Golly, the world's against me, man. It's just... I don't know how I'm going to figure this thing out, Sam. I just need to help, 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 help. And 
Encourage somebody, sure, right? Yeah. Encourage somebody, but don't babysit them, because at some point we have to pick ourselves up. Mm-hmm. Some people don't want to go up. They just don't want to go up. Yeah, misery loves company. Do they ever? <laughs> Birds of a feather yeah. flock together, right? They do. Misery just loves company. And one thing they don't like that those type of people that are think like that, they don't like people like you and I that are so positive. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's wrong with us? I know. What do you mean, what's wrong with us? They find us annoying. Very much so. Yeah, like, what are you so happy about? You know, point in case, this has been probably three years ago. I saw a person and I, I try to always speak first. Hey, how you doing today? Yeah. Just another day. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I see the person again, maybe a couple of days later, I wave, you know, wave, big smile. How you doing today? Just another day. I'm thinking this person has no clue, no clue what life is about. Clueless. I said, well, if I see this person again, I'll say, hi, how are you? Good morning, whatever I do. Hey, how are you doing today? Just another day. And man, I pointed at him, Sam. I said, it sure is to make something great happen. <laughs> you would have thought I took a, a, a steak like Dracula and stabbed it into his heart. It's like, you can't talk to me like that. What do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, that kind of, of course. That kind of a look like you have no business being that happy. But I haven't. That was the end of that. I said, I wouldn't, no, uh-uh. What do you, do you do anything on a daily basis, like a morning reading or anything to like, kind of like, do you have any rituals? In pray. The, pray, all right. That's a Give good thanks. one. Give thanks. Give thanks for your th- life and for the day. Give thanks for everything, Sam. Yeah. Waking up. <laughs> There's a lot of things to be grateful for, which me and my wife, I think, I don't know if we, I will say we do a good job about it because we like to be grateful for the things that I think a lot of people overlook. Whether it be like the AC in this house or the roof over your head or like clean water or a bed to sleep in. You know, there's a lot of little things that we overlook that I can be very grateful for that a lot of people still don't have. Absolutely. It's all perspective. Yeah. It's all perspective. Yeah. And I, yeah, I try. It's difficult to cover all the bases. But in the morning before I roll out, yeah, oh, yeah, I go through my ritual. I mean, I go through my ritual and giving thanks, thanks, thanks. You know, mm-hmm. first of all, hey, another day. Yeah, you know, it's a good day. day. <laughs> another day, right? And then I always kind of finish it up too, Sam, before I really get out the, in my mind today, all things possible, all things positive. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I've got this really ingrained, which I do. I do. And I have reminders. I mean, like on my refrigerator. Yeah. One of them is, uh, and I still love this. And I it, this, this, anybody can do this. Write it down and Put it on your fridge. Our happiness depends on the quality of our thoughts. If you're thinking good stuff, things are going to be fine. Yeah, true. But if you're thinking about why doesn't this person like me anymore? You know, why didn't I get the gig? Why didn't I, whatever? Man, you're gonna you're gonna have a rough yeah. day. You're gonna have a rough day. You got to think about opportunities because there's every day is a new opportunity. Yeah, I mean, look at the opportunity you're having right now, having me here. <laughs> Follow this. With um, <laughs> with us kind of closing out here, yeah. what would be, if somebody does want to reach out to you or they do want you to come speak with them or they do want to contact you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? So there's a couple, Kylie, there's a couple different ways. I mean, there's a, a business 
telephone number 864-990-5462. All right. <laughs> That's one. They can go to uh, my, I have a wrestling college here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can go to um, info at Universal Wrestling College info and shoot me an email sure they can contact me off my website yep. austinidolive.com contact so there's different ways to your instagram too your wrestling college instagram, instagram and then go instagram mess yeah. me there yeah yeah well i'm excited for your new opportunity that it's you're venture. creating venture um you know i think with your mindset obviously a lot you know it'll be successful in many ways and um, I'm glad we connected. I'm pumped you're in Greenville. You know, we didn't even really talk about how you ended up living in Greenville, but yeah. pumped you're here. Yeah. Um, how long have you lived here? I, I believe it's been about nine years. Nine years? Yeah, I think so. Some of nine years. How do you like it? I love it. Yeah. Don't you? Of course. I'm born and raised here. Okay, you don't have to get offensive and defensive and all that <laughs> stuff. Jeez, man, you, you just spiked on me. I just saw the monitor. Went, Whoop! <laughs> well, no, I, I'm... I'm Thankful you're here today. I'm thankful we connected. I'm thankful for the message, uh, you know, you're putting out there. Thank you. And uh, I think you're going to hopefully change a lot of people's lives. I hope so, Sam. I hope so. I hope I had a little input with you. Did I? Yeah, you did. Did I resonate with you at all? You did. Okay. You're you're like, you're a positive guy, man. I love those type of people. Yeah. Well, you are too. Well, thank you. Well, let me, can I ask you a question? Of course. Do you ever find yourself kind of sinking a little bit, maybe every once in a while, or, uh, getting a little funky? Sure, of Do course. Yeah. Often? Not often. I think I'm good at recognizing it. So Great. There's good ways to be, like I just mentioned, to be thankful for the little things in life. I love like health and wellness and my family, right. and exercise is a big thing for me. Yeah. So if I'm ever feeling a little down, I will go exercise. And yeah. It like spikes my levels of dopamine and adrenaline and yeah. start feeling good again. Yeah. And I realize there's so many opportunities in life and every day is a, a new opportunity, like I just said, um, to build relationships or connect with people. And those how those are how I think good things come into your life. So yeah, very well said. And we can thank Steve Spinks for connecting us. That's right. Right? Of course. Let's thank Steve Spinks. They've, okay? I mean, talk about a family that's done a lot for the community. It's it's incredible. Yeah, so. they're amazing people. Yeah, that's Steve's fair. a great guy. Yeah, so thanks a lot, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot, Steve. Good, well, one. Good one, Steve. <laughs> thank you for coming. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Give our partners some love by visiting their links in the show notes. Spinks Convenience Stores, you can find the location nearest you. Rebel Rabbit Seltzers, they're on a mission to socialize healthier and smarter, so join the mission. And Engineered Sleep, making the best mattresses in the game. You might as well be sleeping on an Engineered Sleep mattress. For me, if you could give our show a five-star rating on your listening platform, that'd be greatly appreciated. And thank you so much for listening.